the Shoreshin Podcast, shining a light to the nations. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Cloud, and welcome once again to this week's Torah tidbit. Our tidbit this week comes from the Torah portion that's called Kitisa. In Hebrew, this is a phrase that is translated as when you take a census, or even more literally, when you elevate. What you and I would call a census is when we go out and we count how many people live in a household. We count heads. But in Israel, it was determined by a contribution that was given by every head of the household. The Torah forbids counting heads in the ordinary manner, and so everyone gave something, and that was what was counted. But now, what was given? In this particular case, it's referring to the half shekel that was to be given for the upkeep of the tabernacle, as we read in Exodus 30. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. And so that's, again, referring to the half shekel. That's the contribution. Now, what I want you to notice here is that regardless of your social status, whether you were rich or poor, one was required to give the same amount. And here's why, at least in my belief. Because God's primary interest is not whether or not you have money. God's primary interest is what's in your heart. God's primary interest is whether you have treasures stored up in heaven, because as the Messiah tells us, wherever your treasure happens to be, that's where your heart is going to be as well. And so this week, I want to focus on the question, what's in your heart? Many times in life, we're going to say something that at that particular moment, we really mean it, only to discover later that what we said wasn't really in our heart. For instance, and I'm sure that many of you can relate to this, have you ever told someone that you were going to be praying for them because you were very concerned about their situation, but then you forgot to do that? Do you think that Peter meant it when he told the Messiah that even if all men deny you, I will never deny you. Now, I think he did. However, what we discover, that wasn't really in his heart. And so the point is, many times we discover that God's people may have very good intentions, and they may say things that sound sincere, that sound good, only to discover that what they said, they didn't really have it in their heart to do it. And so with that in mind, I want you to consider what Israel says to Moses at Mount Sinai as God was speaking to them. Basically, they said, please ask God to stop speaking to us lest we die. They went on to say that if Moses would just relay to them what God wanted them to know, that they would most certainly hear and do. Now, that's what they said, but what was in their heart? Because as we know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. But in this particular case, it seems to me that their words reveal that they said things out of fear. They were afraid they were going to die, and they just wanted God to be quiet. In fact, the writer of Hebrews made this observation about those people in Hebrews 12. They could not endure what was commanded. 
And so now, per their request, Moses had ascended the mountain. He was going there to hear what God had to say, come back and tell the people so that they could do. But when he did not return, when they thought he should, they began to do something that they said they wouldn't do, as we're told in Exodus 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed from coming down the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And so I want to emphasize, Moses had gone to do what they asked him to do. But in effect, when he didn't return, they determined that he was dead. And so then they demanded a visible God. They wanted one that they could see, feel, measure, and this is my belief, comprehend. They had to put a face on it so that it could go before them. Moreover, and again, this is my belief, they took what they were familiar with in Egypt, that is a calf, and they made it to represent the God that Moses was speaking to on the mountain. In short, they took the holy and they mingled it with the profane. In fact, one rabbinic commentary says this, the people did not intend to give up their allegiance to God. They desired a visible, symbolic representation of the God who brought them out of Egypt. Now, in line with this, the fact that Aaron calls for feast unto the Lord underscores this likelihood. That is that they're mingling holy and the profane. But still, in order to comprehend God, they mixed the holy with the profane. And that revealed what was truly in their heart because they went on to say this at the completion of the golden calf in Exodus 32, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now earlier, before all this happened, God had said to them, I am the God who brought you up out of Egypt, and you are to have no other gods before me. That is part of what they agreed to hear, and it's part of what they agreed to do. But because Moses delayed his return, and they needed something visible, they abandoned that. They forgot Moses. They fashioned another god who they claim brought them out of Egypt. Now, later on, recounting this, Moses admonished their descendants in Deuteronomy 4 when he said this, Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you out of Horeb in the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure. Now, here it seems to me that Moses wasn't warning them to stay away from foreign idols as much as he was warning them not to repeat the sin of the golden calf. That is, trying to put the eternal God into something temporal, like a calf or any other image. In other words, he was warning them not to try to put God in their little box. To me, this says, or, or speaks to the fact that so many people have to be able to intellectualize and articulate God. They want proof, and when they can't comprehend something that pertains to God, they tend to reject it. For example, 
the Messiah's divine origin. In the end, Israel mingled the holy with the profane, and likewise, so many times we do the same thing. In Israel, we see that one minute they're bringing their gold and silver as a contribution for the tabernacle, and the next day, they're breaking off their gold earrings in order to be used to construct a golden calf. And here's why. Because that is what was in their heart. To me, it's interesting to consider that this event is recorded in Exodus 32. 32, written in Hebrew, is Lamed Bet. The letter Lamed has a value of 30. The letter Bet has a value of 2, totaling 32. But these two letters also spell the Hebrew word Lev, or heart. You see, when they had Aaron fashion the golden calf, and they announced that this is your God, O Israel, they were demonstrating what was truly in their heart. I think it's also interesting to know that it was Aaron who led, or at the very least, allowed this mingling. Now, some rabbis uh, try to conclude that he did it because he was a lover of peace. Some say that it was because, according to tradition, her had been killed by this very same mob, and so Aaron was relenting just to buy a little time. Either way, whatever the reason, the point is this. It wasn't the world who did this. It was those who knew better. And whether for a presumed peace or whether he was buying time, God's people can ill afford to coexist with rebels or acquiesce to the mob mentality. Yeshua addressed this issue with the congregation of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. In other words, he told that congregation that they were mixed by telling them that they were neither cold or hot, but they were lukewarm. And as a result, he would spew them from his mouth. And so due to the condition of their hearts, coupled with the fact that Moses delayed his return, Israel, well, they did things because things didn't turn out the way they thought they should. They ended up mingling hot and cold, holy and profane. And they ended up doing exactly what they said they wouldn't do. God said, I'm the Lord your God. Don't make any graven images. And they said, we will hear and we will do. But it wasn't in their heart to be true to that promise. You could say that because of the condition of their heart, and because they didn't expect Moses to return when he did, they ended up worshiping an image of a beast. It is what they were familiar with. And so then, when Moses did return, they were still reveling and worshiping the image of that beast. Now keep in mind, Moses is a picture of the Messiah. And in this case, he is a picture of the Messiah when he returns. So remember, Yeshua hinted that the bridegroom will delay his coming. And because of that, many will forget. They forgot Moses. Many will fall asleep, and then they will mingle the holy and the profane. But Peter says this in his second epistle in chapter 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And so you see, people don't really change. Things that have been, will be. 
And might it be that these scoffers aren't of the world necessarily, but perhaps are like those at the foot of Mount Sinai, who, when things don't turn out the way they think they should, or when they can't comprehend what God is doing or why God is allowing certain things, that they end up repeating the error of the past and try to put God in a box. They'll say, we don't know what has become of the Shushua, but we need a God that we can comprehend. We need a situation that we can touch and feel and explain. So Yeshua asks the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find his followers hearing and doing? Or will he find that his people have turned quickly from God's commandments and have pursued those things that truly reside in their heart? So, ladies and gentlemen, as I said at the beginning, we sometimes say things, and at the moment, we perhaps really mean them. I'll be praying for you, but what's in your heart? That's this week's Torah Tidbit. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Shalom. Like what you're hearing? Become a BillCloud Premium Partner to watch or listen to hundreds of hours of teachings and resources on demand. Go to BillCloud.com slash subscribe to start watching today.